You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Amen. You can be seated. And we're in a series called Break Every Chain. And today we're talking about breaking the chain of people pleasing. So let's don't waste any time. Let's redeem the hour this morning. Would you go with me, please, the book of 1 Corinthians and go to chapter 4 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you're relatively new to church, it's been a while since you've opened up a Bible, it's the seventh book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 4 with me, please. And let me read this for you. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth, the Spirit of the Lord writing to the church of Corinth, just as the Spirit of the Lord would write to us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Don't close your Bibles. There is some great wisdom in this passage this morning as it pertains to a chain that maybe a lot of us in this house today are wearing, and that's the chain of always trying to just to please people. So I want to give you this morning my definition of people pleasing, and I hope you really, really, really like it. It is living to be popular. It's living to receive affirmation. It's living for the applause of others. It's living so people will be happy with me. It's living to acquire recognition from others. It's living for the approval of others as my top priority. We're all worshipers of something. And people pleasers, they worship, they esteem, they adore, they need the approval and the acceptance and the applause and the recognition of others. Listen, the, the approval and, and the applause of others, it's, it can be intoxicating. It, it can be bondage for us that we're just always living for others to like us, always living that, that others might recognize what we have done and who we are. But I do think it's really important right up front to say what people pleasing is not so that we don't walk out of this place this morning confused. And so let me just say this. The opposite of people-pleasing is not being an uncaring, non-compassionate, disconnected jerk. That's my church word for today, jerk. That's not the opposite of being a people-pleaser. So I don't want people walking out of here going, man, this is so great. I can treat people however I want to treat people. I can be completely disconnected from people, never have to even think about people, consider people again. Let me just say, it is a good thing to bring joy to others. It is a good thing to, to, to tell other people that they are worth and have great worth. They're worth the love of God, worth the grace of God. It is biblical to serve others. It is biblical to put the interest of others above your own interest. So I'm not saying today that you can just be a cold-hearted snake and just slither out of here and go, man, this is so great. I don't have to please anybody the rest of my life. That's not what Paul was saying here. But if you do deal with 
people pleasing. Like that's your top priority to win the approval, the applause, the recognition, the acceptance of others. Then you may wanna take a few notes this morning. Here's the first thing. How do we break the chain? How do we break the chain of people pleasing? Let's go back to our passage together. Look at chapter four, verse one. Here's, here's what Paul was doing to break that chain. This is how one should regard us. So here's how we want people to think of us. Here's how people, Paul said, I want people to think of me as a servant of Christ. Now, Paul uses that word servant all throughout his letters, all throughout the books that he wrote. But right here, this is the only time he used this word for servant in all of his letters. It's a very interesting word. It's the word hupiretes. And hupiretes right here, the word for servant, when he's talking about servant of Christ, this means the under oarsman. If you've ever seen a pirate movie before, you know exactly what the under oarsman is. It's those men in the belly of the boat who are not seen by anybody else, but they're down there rowing. They never see that cannonball coming to splinter the side of the boat. They're just down there serving, down there going away. This is what Paul said. I want people to regard me as the guy who rows the boat in the belly of the ship. That's who I am. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm an under oarsman of Christ. I'm a hoopiretes of, of Christ. And I'm a steward. I'm not in charge of, I'm not a part of that mystery. I'm a steward of the mystery of God, the mysteries of his grace, the mysteries of his love. Moreover, what is required of me is just being a steward, a faithful steward of God. Here it is, that I be found, and there's the word faithful. This is what Paul wanted people to think of him. This is what he wanted others to know about himself. I'm a under oarsman who just stewards the mysteries of the grace and the love and the power of God. And my one aim is to be a steward who will be found faithful. But with me, he says, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. To me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. So you're taking notes this morning. Here's the first thing you can write down. If you're dealing with the chain of people pleasing, you can write this down. How do I break it? Minimize the focus on what others think of me. Minimize the focus, and we all tend to have this focus at some point in our life. Many of us will keep this focus for the majority of our life. What do other people think about me? What are they thinking right now? Well, what, what do they think about me when they're judging me? What do they think of me when they're assessing me? What does Paul say right here? I love this. He says, really, to me, it is a very small thing. The opinion of others, he didn't even say it's a small thing. He says it's a very small thing. Not that Paul didn't listen to others. Not that Paul was unteachable. And hear this, it wasn't that Paul thought people were small or he thought very little of people. It was just the judgment or the assessment of, of others. The judging that comes from others, Paul says, was a very small thing to him. And not just the judgment from others. Then he goes on to says that the judgment of human courts. Now, this isn't a government court. This is the human court. And we all have human courts, don't we? Self-proclaimed, self-convened critics always have a word about us. Paul says, that's a very little thing to me, to be judged by others, to be judged not by a government court, but by, by a human court here. What I think Paul is saying is we don't need to open our hearts to the opinions of everybody. So this morning, let me just ask you this, for us to consider this together. The opinions of others, Paul says, is a very small thing. Why? 
Why should the opinions of others about us, others' assessments of our lives and who we are, why should that be a very small thing? Let me give you a few things this morning. Number one, because people all want different things. Have you noticed that yet? Meet somebody new and they automatically have a brand new expectation from them of how you should act and who you should be. People all want different things. If you, if you try to please everybody, everyone has a different thing that they want from you. And so why should the opinion of others, the judgment of others be a very small thing to us? Why? Because someone, people all want something different. That's why you should only allow very few people into your mind, into your heart when it comes to their assessment. And the people you should allow into your mind, into your heart are people who love Jesus and esteem his gospel. Because there's two things they want. There's two things they want from you. Number one, that you act and live like Jesus. And that's a great expectation, by the way, of others. And number two, if you let people into your mind, into your thinking, into your heart that love Jesus and esteem the gospel, they're not gonna look for you to give them something that you can't produce. It is something that only God can give to them. Here's the second thing. The opinion of others is a very small thing. Why, number two, because people want the wrong things. Not only do people all want different things from you. Every time you meet someone new, they have a different expectation. People often want the wrong things. Watch out, Highland, for those who have an expectation from you that you disobey God and disregard Scripture. There are people in our lives that that is their expectation of you, is that you walk away from God, you disregard God, you disregard a passion for Him and knowledge of Him that you push away from scripture, push away from the mooring of, of God's word. Let me show you a scripture, it's on the screen behind me. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, Solomon writes, fearing man will prove to be a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So why should the opinion of other people be very small? Number one, people all want different things. Number two, people often want the wrong thing. Here's the third thing, you probably know this, people pleasing is impossible. You've lost before you even started. People pleasing is an impossible thing. People who, who base relationships with you on performance, they're never satisfied. They always want more from you. They always want better. So people pleasing is such an impossible task. It's like pouring water down an endless well. It's an exercise in futility. And I'm certain that many of you in this house have been alive long enough to know it is impossible to please everybody. People-pleasing is impossible. Here's the fourth reason that the opinion of others should be a very small thing, according to Paul. That's this, that people-pleasing is destructive. You're, you're hurting yourself if you're always living for the opinions, the assessments, and the judgments of, of others. If you're living for something that isn't possible, then it kind of pulls at the fabric of who God created you to be. A people pleaser would say, I, I just want so badly, I'll do anything if he'll love me, if she'll love me, if, if they will love me, and at all costs. And you see how destructive that can be. Spending your life pursuing a goal that will not happen is painful. It's destructive to the way that God has wired us. Here's the fifth thing I would say, and this sounds kind of absolute, but I'll back it up. Number five, people pleasing disqualifies me as a servant of Jesus. There's three things this week you're gonna live for. You're gonna live for yourself this week, you're gonna live for the approval of others, or you'll live for Jesus this week. And you'll pour all your energy into one of those things. Just living for yourself, pride, living for others, the approval of others, or living 
for Jesus. And you will pour all of your energy into one of those things. This is why Paul said, you see it on the screen behind me, Galatians chapter one, verse 10. Here's the reference for this absolute statement. When Paul says, am I trying to seek the approval of others or of God? Or am I trying to please others? If I'm only trying to please others, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is why I say, and this is why Paul says, the opinion of others, the judgment of others, the assessment of others, it is a very small thing. Because if we're always pursuing the applause of others, we're always pursuing the acceptance of others. Paul says in this absolute statement, I cannot be a servant of Christ. What's the second thing? Let's continue to read in your passage here. First Corinthians chapter four, look at verse three. I'll read it again, but with me, Paul says, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself or I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Here's the second thing. If you deal with people pleasing, you might want to write down. First of all, we had minimize uh, the focus on what others think of me. But the second one's interesting. Minimize the focus on what I think of myself. This might be a surprise to those who like to please people. Not only minimize what other people are thinking of you, but minimize the focus on what you think of yourself. You know, sometimes the person we have the hardest time pleasing is ourselves. The hardest time impressing is is ourselves. Now, I do want to say earlier um, or later in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, he talks about evaluating yourself and looking deep within, allowing the, the Holy Spirit to inspect us or to take an inventory of our lives. And so that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul's not saying that we should never consider our ways. What Paul is talking about here is how sometimes people, we myopically just scour every word, every decision we ever say, we ever make. We're constantly asking ourselves, why didn't you come to that conclusion sooner? Why didn't you reach that conclusion faster? Certainly you can be better than that. You know what that is? That's obsession with self. The very core of that is pride. For some in this house this morning, the person you work the hardest to impress is the person in your mirror. And Paul is saying here, that ought not be. I don't even need to judge myself, Paul. See, I don't need to really take this assessment. We, we tend to have this, this feeling in our lives sometimes that everything is about us. And again, I'll use that word. We're so myopic. We're just kind of staring at our own lives. We're obsessed with ourselves. Now, some of you in this house, you have no idea what I'm talking about. There's others this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're just kind of always looking on the inside, always looking at the interior, always taking an assessment of yourself. Look what Paul says here in verse four. I love where he lands this in verse four. He says, I'm not really aware of anything against myself. In other words, Paul said, I don't, I don't see like some gross intentional sin in my life or some, some habit in my life that, that breaks the heart of God. But I love what he says, but I'm not thereby acquitted. In other words, Paul says, I'm not judging myself, but I also don't acquit myself. I can't tell myself if I'm guilty or if I'm innocent. He's saying, I'm not the ultimate judge of myself. My assessment of myself is not the most important thing. My standard is not what other people think of, of me, but my standard is also not what I think of myself. Paul's about to say that there's a, there's a richer, deeper standard that we must be looking at. And I'll say it again, when the constant daily focus of our lives is this self-obsessed analysis of who we are, the foundation of that is absolute pride. We care nothing more than what we think about ourselves. Here's the third way to break free then from the, the chain of people pleasing. We see it in verse five. In verse five, Paul says, therefore, because all that is true, 
Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, because he, when he comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Here's the third thing, if you're taking notes today, how to break free from, from the chain of always wanting to win the approval of others. Here it is, maximize my focus on God's assessment of me. I put all these in first person so we could own them individually this morning. Maximize then my focus on God's assessment of me. As a recovering people pleaser myself, and I always thought it was funny that God would call me as a people pleaser to be a pastor. What, what an what a interesting way to live life. As a recovering people pleaser myself, I have to constantly preach to myself, verse five, that on that final day, I don't stand before you. On that final day, I don't stand before my wife or my kids. On that final day, I don't stand before the elders of Highland. On the final day, I don't stand before the mirror. On the final day, I stand before God. I want to know his assessment of my life. I want him to evaluate me. It's gonna be God and God alone that, that judges me, and that's what we need to be living for, maximizing my focus on God's assessment of me. Because I'm a recovering people pleaser, I am constantly having to wrestle and surrender to verse five in this passage. So let me ask you this question then for us to consider as I wrap up this morning. Why then maximize my focus on God's assessment of me? Uh, why, is, why is that true? Why should we put all of our energy then into considering how does God assess me? How does God judge me? How does God evaluate my life? And, and Paul gives us the answers, all these answers here in verse five. So if you're taking notes, here it is. Why maximize my focus on God's assessment of me? Number one, because people judge at the wrong time. Look what it says here in, in chapter four, verse five, the beginning of verse five. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Have you noticed recently in the news that people often give judgment before they know the whole story? The whole story. Have you noticed maybe in your own life that people may have judged you without knowing all the facts, knowing all the background story? Uh, someone gave me this word years ago, and I think it was from two churches ago. And I wish I could remember who said it or I'd give him the credit for saying it. But this person said to me, time and truth walk hand in hand. Time and truth walk hand in hand. And so when people begin to judge you before it's really time to judge you, people have opinions of you before they even know the full story. You just keep holding on to the truth because eventually in time, the truth will eventually stand tall. Time and truth walk hand in hand in hand. I, th I think what we see here in this passage is that over time, Paul was beginning to say, my, my testimony is going to shine. And you will see the core of who I am. I desire to be that, that under Roseman. I desire to, the under Oarsman. I desire to be faithful. I desire to be a steward of all the mysteries of God. That's all that I am. And time and truth held hands in the life of Paul. Or toward the end of his life, toward the end of his ministry, people began to see the truth of who he was, and he shined with the brilliance of the Spirit of God inside of him. Stephen Covey writes a lot of books on time management and organization, and I love reading his books. I always tend to learn something new from each of his books that I read. In one of his books, uh, I think it was The Seven Habits of Highly, Seven Highly Effective People, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he told the story of, of a father uh, who got on the subway with his three kids 
And once he sat down in, in that subway chair, he did what I've seen a lot of people do in subways. His head went back and he was snoring. He was out. But the three little kids, they ran amok in that subway. Like up and down the aisles, arguing with each other, yelling at each other, knocking over papers, their elbows hitting the iPads of people as they went up and down that subway. And as the subway was, was making its way to its destination, people were beginning to murmur about all these kids and while the dad wasn't doing anything. And so finally, one of the men on the subway train woke up the dad and said, sir, your, your kids are everywhere. Would you please reel them back in before they take over the subway? The dad kind of wakes back up and he goes, I am so sorry. I'm, kids, come here, I'm so sorry. And he leans and whispers to the man, their mother just passed away in the hospital this morning. And that made all the difference in that story. Covey calls it a paradigm shift. People were making assessments and judgments without knowing all the facts. They were judging before the time. And in the same way, Paul is saying here that often people don't see things clearly. We can't live for the judgment of others because people judge too soon. People often come in with a majority opinion with only a minority of information. We can't judge before it's time. Why maximize my focus on God's assessment of me because one, people judge the wrong time. Here's the second thing, God has all the facts. That's a close cousin. What it says here in verse, verse five again, therefore don't pronounce judgment for the time because when the Lord comes, he, God will bring to light things now hidden in darkness. This is why we need to maximize our, our energies this week on the consideration of what God says about us because God has all the facts. When God comes, he's not gonna come with partial truth. When he comes, he knows the full background story. He knows everything that's happening in our lives. When God assesses us on that day, that capital D day, that the day where we stand before the Lord on that day, that the assessment of God will be so appropriate. It'll be so factual. It'll be so measured. It'll be so true. See, people don't have all the facts. That's why we should think very little of the opinions of others. But God has all the facts. And he will bring to light the things that we now even hide in darkness. Therefore, we need to live our lives in full understanding that we will be assessed by God one day. Here's the third reason. We should maximize our focus on, on God's assessment because God knows all the motives. Look what it says here in verse five. I'm just reading through this, this verse here. Therefore, don't pronounce judgment before the time when the Lord comes. He'll bring to light things now hidden in darkness. And look, look at this phrase. And he, God, will disclose the purposes of the heart. God knows the purposes. God knows the motives. God knows the intentions of our heart. I guess what I'm trying to say is God knows the real you. And very few people, if anybody else does, therefore the opinion is of others is a very small thing according to Paul, but we should maximize our, our focus on God's assessment because he knows all of the motives and the intentions and the purposes of our hearts. Here's the fourth thing and the last thing. Ultimately, what God thinks eternally matters. What God thinks of me, what God thinks of you, God's judgment, God's assessment, God's evaluation of our lives, this is what eternally matters. Go back, if you don't mind, to verse four, the very end of verse four. I wanna make sure we, we hear this correctly. When Paul writes, it is the Lord 
who judges me. There will be a day of, of judgment. There will be a day that the Lord will come and he will evaluate our lives. At the end of verse four, it is the Lord who judges me. Now the end of verse five, if your Bible's still open, then each one, all of us in this house today will receive his commendation from God. There will not be a moment in heaven when you're put up front in front of the grandstands of heaven and God says, hey, what do y'all think about this guy? What do you think about Scott over here? Uh, what do you think about Tim over here? Hey, what do y'all think about Nancy? Let's just all shout out things about Nancy. Let's just all shout out things about Tim, about Scott. There will not be that day. No one hands out an award but God, the judge. And on that day, and oh, there will be that day, we stand before God who will give an accurate, fair assessment and judgment and evaluation of our life. It says here that only the judge hands out the award. So maybe it'd be a good morning to remind you if you're not a believer in Christ. If you're not a Christian, you will stand before God one day. So I would plead with you, I would beg with you this morning, urge you with all of my heart, turn to Jesus today. Repent of your sin, leave your old life and receive Christ as the savior of your life, as the Lord of your life, because you will stand before him one day. Now, Christian, listen to me also. You too will stand before him one day. In fact, Paul just got through talking about this. I think I have time to do this. Go back one page. It's not on the screen. It's only in your Bible. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter three. Go to verse 10 with me. We will stand before him, Christians. We have to live for what matters and, and live for who matters. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter three. And look at verse 10. I'm gonna speed through this. Chapter three, verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, Paul says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Now someone else is building upon it. This is important. If you're a Christian here this morning, please listen to the middle part of verse 10. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds the foundation, here's the good stuff, with gold and silver and precious stones. Now, here's the stuff that will be destroyed, wood or hay or straw. Each one's work will become manifest. In other words, it will be seen. Well, who we live for, what we live for, it will be seen on that day. Your Bible should have a capital D there. For the day will disclose it. The day of judgment will disclose it. When we stand before God, it will be disclosed because our lives will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation of Jesus survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work as a Christian is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Had an old preacher back in Irving that said, There's be, there'll be people in heaven that smell like smoke. Because everything they live for, even as a Christian, didn't matter. They live for the opinions of others. They're always about self-analysis. And they built their lives with hay and straw and wood. And on that day, it all burned. They were saved, but for all eternity, it smelled like smoke. But there'll be other, other believers on that day when God gives an assessment of their life, when God judges their life, when God evaluates our lives. We have built upon our, the foundation of Christ, built into our lives things that last forever. The gospel, sharing, feeding, loving, dispensing grace to others, 
sharing the good news with others, discipling others. These things will last forever. We will one day stand before God. So let me give you an action step. Here's your one item of homework this week. Get alone with God and ask God if you are honoring him with your life. I dare you. Take a pen, bring some paper and say, oh God, would you search me? Would you try me? Would you look deep within? God, evaluate me now, judge me now, assess me now because I know one day I will stand before you and you alone. Is my life honoring to you? And let me give you a good scripture that serves as the foundation of your homework. It's Ephesians, it's on the screen behind me, chapter five, verse 10. Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. There'll be 1,500 people here in worship this morning. Maybe 150 people will do this. But for those 150, I would say to you, your life may never be the same again. To sit down now and ask the Lord this week before you stand before him in eternity and say, God, am I living a life that honors you? I want to find out what pleases the Lord. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your word to us today. It is life to us. The opinions of others, oh God, may it be a very small thing to us. Even the human court, the critics who, who are always surrounding us. May we even minimize the focus of what we think about ourselves. We don't judge ourselves. We don't acquit ourselves. God, today, would you give us the grace to maximize our focus on your evaluation of us, your evaluation of me. We want to find out what it is that pleases the Lord. Through Christ we pray, amen.